Amen. As you're being seated, grab a copy of the Bible, maybe your iPhone or iPad, what do you have this morning? And we're going to look together to Colossians chapter 3, one verse, verse 12. Today we're talking about communication. We talked about that through the sending of God's Word all over the world. We talk about that as we come and worship and pray and be able to focus on who Christ is in our lives. And we talk about this in the context then of family matters. What does it mean to have communication in our families? And what are the key components of that? I've thought about this for several weeks and what we're going to do with this passage. I've gone a lot of different directions before I even got to the, the verse that we're going to use today. I thought about telling you how to communicate in your family, but I thought, man, if I do that and Elizabeth tells you how I really do it, it would be told so bad that you would say, that doesn't make sense because that is not my strong suit, I want to tell you. I talked about thinking about how we could do it or what are some of those ways that we're supposed to communicate or some of the things that we need to be communicating about. So I thought about a host of things that we're going to deal with or we would have dealt with, but I really came to this scripture. I believe the Lord brought me to this passage that really talks about the attitude of communication, whether it's in our family or with people around us. But I believe this verse gets to the attitude of what it means for a believer a Christian who says that I am a Christian spouse, I'm in a Christian family, I love people around me. So I'm speaking today from the fact that we in this room, now I know that all of us in this room are followers of Christ. I would hope that if you're here today and you're not a follower of Christ, that before you leave today, you'd say, hey, I want to know what it means to be a follower of Christ. We'd love to talk to you about that. But I'm assuming that many of us in the room today are followers of Christ, and so I'm taking this passage and what it means for us to be communicating in our families and with the people around us. Jesus was a master communicator, right? I mean, he, we, he was communicating all the time. That's what he did while he was here on earth. Yet, if you read scripture and you look at how he was dealing with his apostles and with the disciples and with the people around, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the different people, communication sometimes was very hard for Jesus, not that it was hard for him to communicate, but those who were hearing him did not hear what he was saying, right? Even in the parables, he would tell stories and he would try to help them to understand what this parable meant. He had to, he had to teach them very detailed what the parables meant because they just didn't catch it. Matter of fact, even as we celebrate the Lord's Supper today, in that last moments when Jesus was there with his disciples, men who had been with him for three years, he did not communicate with them in the way that they understood what was going to happen. Not that he didn't tell them, not that he didn't share with them all the things that were going on. It's just they were not hearing it in the way that he was saying. And that always happens in communication, right? It's always, it always happens in our families. What we say, what the other person hears, it happens in our churches. What we say, what another person hears. All those things create conflict and confusion. But if we get to God's word and we begin to say, okay, as a believer, as a person who is a follower of Christ, what is the attitude that I should communicate from and what is the lifestyle that I should communicate out of? And that brings us to this passage in Colossians, Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, just one verse. And he says to us, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Clothe yourselves with compassion, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness, and patience. 
five things, five characteristics that the Apostle Paul gives us in this letter. Now, in Colossians 3, he had been talking about what it means to have a new life. And he had been helping believers, these early church leaders, understand what it means to give ourselves over to Christ so that we are filled with him. So that we are the ones who are living out what it means to be followers of Christ in our world. That's what he'd been talking about in this third chapter. He had been trying to help these early believers understand that their lives had changed, and therefore, because their lives had changed, there must be something different about them. Well, I would submit to you today that that's exactly what we need in communication with our families. As we communication and communicate with our spouse or with our children or with our parents or whoever it is we're dealing with, I think Paul's admission to us to be able to be the kind of people who live out these five characteristics become vital in communication. It becomes so important to us on how we see the people around us that we're talking with and to. So let's look at these for a few moments, kind of bit by bit. He tells us in this third chapter, verse 12, that the first thing that we are putting on is this understanding of compassion. The word that he uses for compassion here, and I'm going to say this as that fill in the blank, compassion leads to caring. Okay, compassion leads to caring. And I would say that in communication in our family, one of the most important things we have to do is care for the other people. If we're just focused on ourselves and caring for ourselves, we're not going to communicate well, we're not going to listen well, and we won't really care what the other person is going through. So a basic piece of our relationship building in the family with husband, wife, kids, parents, everyone involved is how we care for that other person. This word compassion does not mean love. Oftentimes we think of compassion as meaning love. Matter of fact, this word here means pity, that we have pity on someone. And pity is a feeling of sorrow for someone who is going through sufferings or misfortune in their life. Now, another word that we might use instead of the word pity, if we don't like that word, because sometimes we think, well, if I'm communicating with my spouse, I I sure don't want to pity her. You know, I don't want her to, to feel like I'm pitying her. Yet the proper use of the term is correct, because it's also the idea of mercy. It's the idea of understanding that we're going we're gonna to give forgiveness in this situation to a person that we might not be able or need to forgive in what's going on in our life. So it works like this, right? If we have compassion in communication in the way that he tells us here, it's the understanding that we, when we are talking to people around us, our spouse or our children or our parents, whatever, Our characteristic says that we're going to care more about that person than we do for ourselves. We're going to care more about what they're saying than what we're saying. We're going to care more because though we might be in the right sometimes, we might be in the right in what we're saying, and 99.9% of the time we feel like we are in the right, whether we are or not, we think we're right in the communication. We think what we are saying is the right thing and what we believe is the right thing. That's just a a normal part of who we are. But when we look at this word and it tells us that we are to have that kind of compassion, that kind of pity, that kind of mercy inside our communication, it should change how we respond 
in conflict, in struggle, in situations that might lead further on into real division inside our families. So Paul gives this understanding that as a believer, we're going to start out with the understanding that we have mercy upon the other person in which we're talking about. Paul would say that's true with everyone that we come in contact with, right? If we're going to walk the way he is asking us to walk, the way we say that we walk as followers of Christ, they would say that what we're doing then is, is we're caring for the other person, and compassion then leads us to caring about the other person more than caring about ourselves. The second thing we see here, the second word, is the word kindness. He tells us that here is kindness, and kindness is a choice. You choose kindness. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy, dearly beloved, clothe yourself. Now, the idea that he gives right here is that we're going to put on, maybe your even translation says, put on compassion, put on kindness. So when you wake up in the morning, the idea that Paul is giving us, because he knows that we're going to be going out and communicating from the very time we get up, right? So his role here is to say to us that as we are getting up, of course, we take a shower, we get dressed physically, but Paul is saying, clothe yourself spiritually, emotionally, spiritually, as you get ready to go out and interact with those around you. Now, you can read all back through chapter 2, chapter 3 of Colossians, and Paul kind of lays that out in a greater format. But he's telling us that what we're doing here is being kind. The word kind that he's using here is also the word just to be good, to be a good, kind person. There's no great revelation to the word kindness. There's nothing that you have to look deep to find a, a root word in the Greek language that talks about kindness. We know what kindness is when we experience it. We know what kindness is when we give it to someone else. And Paul is saying that because of who we are in Christ, when we're communicating inside our families, kindness has to be one of the characteristics that lives inside our lives in that communication. Now, you might think for a moment of those heated discussions that you might have with a spouse occasionally, and you might be able to say, was I kind inside that? Was I kind in how I responded? Now, in this whole idea of kindness being a choice, you know, it's, it's a visible thing, right? That's what he's talking about. The, the clothes we wear physically are something that people see. So when Paul says to clothe yourself in kindness, he's also talking about the fact that people see that in their lives. He does that for all five of these characteristics. We're putting on these, and they are what gives us our identity in Christ. They're what helps us to be able to see with inside our family that one would know that inside our family that we would be seen as being kind. Now, that's a, a great way to evaluate your family's communication. You might even ask that question. Do my children see me as being a kind father? They may know I have discipline, and they may know their standards and their rules inside their home. Paul never backs away from those. He would never back away that sin that would happen, would bring with it consequences. He never leaves that behind, but he would ask us that question inside our families, in our communication. Would we be seen as people 
as fathers, as mothers, as parents, of being kind? Do we put that on? Is that just seen in what we do? Hear this verse from Ephesians chapter 2. Paul says, even when you were dead in, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive again with Christ, by grace we have been saved, you have been saved, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in coming age he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us. Why would we live a life of kindness? Because we're followers of Christ. And Christ himself, according to Scripture, many other passages, this just being one, has helped us to understand that we too are to be like him in how we are kind to other people. Well, let's don't stop there. Let's go to the third word. The third word that he tells us is this word humility. So he would say to us, clothe yourself, put on compassion, put on kindness, put on humility. But humility takes courage. There's courage that has to come with humility. Because sometimes we think about humility and we think about the whole idea of bringing ourselves down and not being able to be prideful in the situation. And that's exactly what Paul is teaching us for our families. As families, as a part of that, our pride, our pride gets in the way a lot of times. There's a story back in Genesis chapter 11. You may have heard the story about the Tower of Babel right? In Genesis chapter 11, the people are all in one language, and they're all doing really well together. They seem to be working well together and striving well together and living well together, except because they were doing so well together, Genesis chapter 11 helps us to understand that in their pride, they begin to build a tower. And they said, this tower we're going to build is the greatest thing that's ever been built, and it's going to reach all the way into the heavens. It's going to reach where God is. Now, part of that whole Tower of Babel story, if we were to read through that and take time to really look at that story, it really has to do with the pride of people. It has to do with them being able to understand everything in common, and they can do what they wanted to do. They did not need God. Unfortunately, that might sound a little bit like our world today in so many places, even our own nation in a lot of ways, right? We get to the place where we can do it, where we don't need God. Unfortunately, it may be true in churches. We can do the things that we want to do, and we really don't need God to intervene. We just go about doing what we want to do, and we have enough of the resources, so uh, everything that we can do, we do, and uh, if God shows up to do something different, we question that and say, well, maybe God doesn't want us to do that because we can't afford to do it or well, we don't really know if that's the right thing to do. But nevertheless, that pride in our lives and our families and our churches and our nation led to what happened in the Tower of Babel. It's so interesting in that story because it shows the importance of communication. It shows the importance of the power of the communication that these in this 11th chapter of Genesis were able to communicate well and be able to do what they wanted to do. And they were, they were just leaving God behind because they really had enough pride in what they were doing that they didn't need God. Well, I hope we never get that way as a family or even as a church. We do not want to do that. 
Yet God saw what they were doing, right? He saw what was happening inside that. And what he did more than anything else is affect their communication. It tells us, is that what happened? They, they, they were confused in their language. Now, it helps us to understand that from God's perspective, communication is vital because that confusion, that confusion in their language led to so much and so many things breaking apart during that period of world history. So if we do the same thing in our families and we begin to realize that communication has a great amount of power, it has a great amount of potential, but if we let pride get in the way of that, pride of how we talk, pride of how we respond, pride of how we help our children or our grandchildren or those around us, it really does make a difference. Because you see, I think in this passage, one of the things we learn is that communication is the foundation to our families. It's the foundation to how we get along. It's the foundation of everything that God wants to say into our lives and how we say that back to other people. And that foundational truth of communication finds its strength, its courage, in this understanding that we're putting on Christ. And so as we're putting on Christ, humility takes the place of pride in our lives. Now, let's go to the fourth. He tells us the fourth word here is gentleness. And if we look at Scripture, there are a lot of different places where gentleness is contagious. It is contagious. It's one of those things where, where as you are gentle with people, and then the word here is, is gentle or meekness, and it's an attitude. It's a spirit that's in us, right? It, it's, it brings itself out oftentimes in how we listen to things around us and how we perceive what's going on around us. I have a video that I want you to see that might help us to understand this whole idea of being a good listener as that comes up and begins to play. It's just, there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me and I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head and it's relentless and I don't know if it's gonna stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever gonna stop. Yeah. Well, you do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there. Stop would... trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing. You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. No, see, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, you're out. not even listening now. Okay, fine, I will listen, fine. It's just, sometimes it's like, there's this achy, I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. Yeah, I, that sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Oh, come <laughs> on, Ow. if you would just- Don't! Try to see things I could resist it. When I saw that video, I thought, man, that's going to be right in the middle of the sermon. But that is just, it was so funny to me. It's like, whoa. You know, and the title of the video is Nailed It. You know, it's like, okay, okay, I love that. Because sometimes we just, and the obvious is so, so in front of us in our families. 
the obvious of, of what we have to do, of how we have to live. And I really believe that's what Paul was saying. I believe Paul was saying, it's obvious. It's so obvious of what you have to do as believers to communicate well in our families, to have strong families. It's being able to clothe yourself in compassion. It's being able to recognize that out of this compassion comes this kindness that happens in our life, and out of that comes humility, and out of that comes gentleness. And then he says patience, right? Patience. Man, he kind of, kind of makes it rough at the very end. Patience, he would say to us. Patience. And I thought, where do we get our patience from? Do we try to raise up patience? Do we try to get stronger in our patience? Do we try to read books on patience? Do we pray for God to give us patience? Sometimes that backfires on us and bad things happen as we like, okay, I shouldn't have prayed that prayer for patience. What is it? And I came to the conclusion that patience really is rest in Christ. It's an understanding that as believers, and I point you to John chapter 15, where Jesus was saying to his disciples in John 15, 5, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And I concluded that patience is a whole lot beyond my ability. It's a whole lot beyond my ability to create that. And, and truthfully, all these are, right? And truthfully, it's hard for me to say, man, I, I can be compassionate when I'm, when I'm in, the, in the throes of a conversation that I'm not controlling. Or I can be kind when a place where I think somebody has just done me wrong in this thing and they have said things that I don't agree with. And so how am I going to be kind inside that? How am I, I going to have humility? How is my pride not going to just rise up out of my anger when I'm, I'm in conflict? I'm talking about something in our families or with our children. And, and you just, you just kind of feel that pride raising up like, I, I know better. I know what this is going to be like, you know. And the idea of gentleness, man, how can I, how can I really be gentle when I want to just do something out of anger? And so my conclusion is, in all that, it really is finding our rest in Christ, abiding in him, letting him, as it tells us in this passage, going to back up to the very start of this verse as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. That's you. God's chosen. God died on the cross, rose from the dead, so that you could be a chosen child, dearly loved. And out of that, that is the only place I find communication of compassion and being humble and kindness, and gentleness, and patience. That's the only place we can go to, is to Christ, and abide in him. So my encouragement to us today, as a church, as a family, as a parent, as a husband, as a wife, as a person who's employed with everybody that is around us, my encouragement to us is, is how do we get to this place where we're letting Christ so clothe us so that when we wake up in the mornings, we put on Christ, we put on the understanding that I, I can't do anything on my own. I don't have the capacity, the ability to do that, but because I have salvation in Christ, because he lives in me, because his spirit has taken up residence in my life, that is all I've got. 
And so when I get up and I, and I start the new day, I put that on. I clothe myself in these things. And when I'm in conflict in my family and when I'm having conversations with my spouse or with my children or in all those situations, I step back and I say, I'm clothed in Christ. That is all I have. I'm resting in him. I'm abiding in him. Oh, I hope that's where you are today. And I hope that as we conclude our service in a moment and you go out into the rest of this week, you will remember when you're in conflict or talking or in communication that am I clothing myself? Am I resting in Christ? Am I abiding in him so that my life is a life of compassion, of kindness, of humility, of meekness, of patience?